Hey, sweetheart, I am such a sponge when it comes to receiving fresh revelations. I am such a sponge when it comes to just receiving wisdom of knowledge due to the revelations. I'm such a sponge when it comes to digging in the word, period. I'm such a sponge when the mysteries are unfolded and exposed unto me. I'm such a sponge to dig more further outside of the documentation that was written by man that was handmade, you know, biblically due to the encounters and testimonies that did happen. I'm such a sponge to receive more revelations of doors opening that was not able to be documented in the basic instructions before leaving earth book. Hallelujah. So magnify the Lord with me. I love you. I love you. I love you. Now, the story that set out with me today, I want to dig deep regarding Joseph. And we all know about the story of Joseph, majority of us on this planet, even if it's, you know, childlike interpretations or commercials or childlike, you know, cartoons or videos, even, you know, adult-like, you know, movies, you know, the theology about Joseph, period. Many people know something about the story of Joseph. But I want to dig a little deeper regarding when Joseph became in the hands of the chief guard of Pharaoh, which is Potiphar, and he was, you know, working under him, you know, personally. He wasn't working under Pharaoh. He was working under Potiphar, who was the chief guard of Pharaoh. And he was 17 years old at the time he was, you know, sold into Egypt. And through the time frame, he was 17 when he got to Egypt. And it states that he was 30 when he got out of prison before Pharaoh to interpret the dream that he did not understand. So between 17 and 30, that's 12 years of time to be accounted for. What happened to Joseph? Now, out of that 12, two years are stated in documentation, biblically in scripture, that it took the man to remember, the cup barrier to remember two years later after the prophecy that Joseph prophesied, you will be back in your position, but to the baker, you will be executed. And two years, it took two years for the cup bearer to remember due to Pharaoh's dream. Now, if Pharaoh didn't have a dream, the cup bearer would have still forgot Joseph. And the cupbearer, remember, wait, there's a man I forgot. Shame on me. There's a man named Joseph who interpreted dreams. Hallelujah. And just visualize what that looked like. Now you're going before Potiphar's boss. You know, the man who's overseer of all in the castle. And... Potiphar, what makes me think about him, and when it comes to Potiphar's wife, Zuleika, which means brilliant beauty, so that means that she was gorgeous, and that's why she thought that she could have Joseph, due to her looks. But I'm going to in the name of Potiphar, you know, Egyptian interpretation, you know, Hebrew interpretation is African bull. Fat man. So those who did not worship God in those times were named according to 
their natural look. The mother would name their child due to how they look. But those who worship God, they were named due to what they were called to do, due to their purpose. So just explaining a little bit about Potiphar's name and what it means, that means that, you know, you wasn't a slim man. And you wasn't a fair-skinned man. Because they considered you to be a dark, heavy man. That's what your name means. And it's just so amazing that, okay, two years out of the 12 is accounted for. So there's 10 years of uncounted for time regarding how long did Joseph work for Potiphar before he, you know, got betrayed by his wife Zuleika to be in jail compared to how long did it take for, you know, him to get out of prison. Two years already spoken for. So how many more added to those two years was he actually in prison compared to how long he used to work for Potiphar? And that's what I'm digging. And I love that because when you knock, you find. I mean, when you seek, you find. Excuse me. When you knock, it's open. You understand? And when you ask, you shall receive. And I thank God for just fresh revelation about how hungry I am to get information of what's not documented. Because you can, because God releases fresh revelations. And it's so amazing that he was 17. So how long did you work for him? Was it until you was 19, 21? I'm sure she didn't just come on to him as soon as he got there because he was only 17. So was it 21, 25? And how long were you in prison? 25 to 30? Well, that's just one mystery that's going to be, you know, revealed. Now, I'm going to skip, you know, back to Isaiah. And it's just so amazing how Isaiah prophesied the coming of Christ in the flesh. And he, he pretty much described Christ coming back in the flesh and no one even knowing that it's him. He's not going to come back as you expect him to. He's going to come back looking even less than any normal man. In other words, he's going to look like he's, you know, in poverty. He's not going to stand out. He's not going to have radiant beauty. That you could be like, oh, this got to be him. He actually looked the same as everybody else. In some situations, he looked it even worse off than other people. But he bore on all the outsides and out iniquity. So he was describing how we not going to know the difference between how he looked seated in heavenly places and coming here to bear our sins the time he was here naturally. And Isaiah also prophesied about how God is going to impregnate a virgin to bring forth our Messiah. And I'm going to tell you how amazing this is. Isaiah prophesied that 16 books later, here comes Christ in the New Testament. That is so amazing. And that's why Christ, I'm not going to say he didn't cut any slack, but that's why he spoke parables and he pretty much let the Pharisees and Sadducees know about their hypocrisy. 
Because you're so big with the scrolls. You're so big about, you know, the, the scripts and you turn around scripture way back and you even speaking about what you reading. But I'm right here in your face. You turn around the prophecies of what Isaiah said, but I'm right here in your face saying who I am. And you still don't believe I'm in the form as being described as what Isaiah said. And you turn that scroll in your pocket and yet you don't believe I am what you read about. Jesus Christ. My God. I gotta close my window. <laughs> oh God. This is so good. <laughs> And that's why they always did things that make themselves look good. And it's so amazing how even when Christ had them to, you know, pick food, you know, on a Sabbath. And they talking about, no, you cannot. You cannot. Read in your scroll. Is it more pleasant to get food to eat? Or for you to act in such a way on a day that's supposed to be sanctified? Oh, ye little hypocrites, Pharisees, walking around with all these scripts and scrolls biblically. And it's right in your face and you don't even know it. And I said, Isaiah, that's a powerful anointing that Isaiah had upon him here. 16 books later, do you know how many years that is? And me and them live up to, you know, the, if you notice, you know, from the beginning, as it, the years go further up, the generation go further up, the years seem to decrease and not increase. Because they used to live to about 800 and something years old, then it started going to 600, then 500, then 400, and 300. You understand? And it's so amazing how many years between Isaiah and 16 books before Matthew even be written to have Christ here in the flesh to see what he prophesied about. That's so powerful to me. Because God can give us prophecies that will happen in weeks, months, years. But this man got 16 books later. There was no way Isaiah was going to see what God used him to say to come to pass. And many of those after Isaiah weren't even able to see naturally, but spiritually, they are because they are in the kingdom. See, God had me to think about Isaiah and then think about John because they both prophesied with such a great anointing of the coming of Christ. Many have also did, but they was more detailed. And the difference between Isaiah and John is not because one in the old, one in the new covenant. It's because one encountered him physically and one did not. Even though John was prophesied, prepare ye the way, that wasn't his first encounter with Christ when Christ wanted to be baptized. And he said, I'm not worth baptizing you. You should be baptizing me. And Christ said, as it is written. And he always stayed as it is written because you guys always read and you live by what you read, which is every word that come out the mouth of God. So I'm right here in the flesh, which you already read. So it's coming to pass. You actually watching your prophecies come to pass. And sometimes it seems too great to believe it. And you can blind yourself with, you know, doubt. Because you think it's too great to be before your eyes. Hallelujah. And guess what? It still happened today. 
Do we not read the stories of this and read the stories of that and yet still struggle in believing and yet he came and he gone and he coming back and we still know the scripture and yet still say different words today in 2022? Receive revelations from words that was 50 BC and reading words 500 AD and yet still not believing in year 2022? You know how many years it was before year one even got started? Hallelujah. When it came to um, just receiving the difference between Isaiah, he was prophesied about Christ, and John was too. The difference between the relationship is that John saw Christ periodically due to both of their natural parents being cousins. I'm sure that wasn't Mary's last encounter with Elizabeth when John and Jesus was leaping in their bellies. I'm sure when they given birth, they came and seen each other. I'm sure that John seen Christ periodically growing up as though both of their parents are very close. But it just it was that day that Christ was coming to be baptized. Hallelujah. See, God brings his word so, you know. <sighs> It's just so alive. You know, it's alive. And it's, it's like you're living it. You're living it and you're seeing it. It's like as you open up for the supernatural, it brings you there, present at that time. Still sitting in your bedroom or wherever you are, even in a car or wherever, you can still be at that time. You can be at more, any place, every place at the same time. It's so amazing to be open up, to be like our father. What do it really mean to be in his image? What do you think he means? It's not just a physical, you know, because he's, you know, he don't have no flesh. What is it like to be exactly like our father originally? We've been brought back to what? What is the identity? So we know the characteristics of God, but do we see ourselves as that same characteristic? With that same level of virtue, of power, might, and authority? In the image of God, what does that look like? We have to know where his image really is in order to know that that's what we are. That's who we are. It's so amazing of the time frame. God giving that man a word. That, was, that had to be over a thousand years. Because it was 16 books. And each book got a lot of chapters. So amazing. And the Pharisees' responsibility religiously is to carry around the scrolls. About the children of God, how to live and how to eat and how to praise, how to worship. And, and they spent their time trying to mock the man they read about that's coming in the form of the man they talking about negatively. What sense does that even make? Hallelujah. It's so amazing 
to embrace the embrace. John prophesied Christ coming in the midst of him growing up with Christ. Now, scripture sometimes go back and forth, just like Matthew do with John, and so does Luke also do with Matthew. Because there are three different translations as to Christ rising, and all three of them was there together. But in each book is written differently. One saying that an angel was present and rolled away. One, one translation saying that an angel came down. One said it was two already there. Because that's how each one of them perceived what took place. Which means that, man, you can hear the same word and receive the same encounter, but we can perceive it totally different. It doesn't make yours less true than mine. It's just that's your perception. And you're entitled to that. Because what you have that I didn't see, it opens me up for you to see what you did and that I did. And that's what God means by iron sharpening iron. He don't always tell us all the same things. When it's regarding something specific, we must know the exact He's not going to tell me the exact of something and then tell you the exact of something else if it's supposed to be the same thing. Now, some things are to be the same and some things are to be expressed differently due to being revealed differently. But it sometimes God reveal one thing overall. Hallelujah. And I just thank God so much. It's so amazing that Joseph, when they called on him, he already knew he wasn't going back in there. He shaved his head, shaved his face, and he never did go back in there. Let me tell you why it was so important. How God had it already lined up. Because had he been in there any longer, he would have missed his brother's encounter coming there. And God meant it for his good to have his brothers to come there. Due to hunger and canning. God led them from Canaan all the way to Joseph in Egypt. So amazing. That if he was still in prison, they would have never saw him. And they would never saw him. That God would never spare his people like he said he would and bring them to Egypt. Now, let me talk about this a little bit about Egypt. And when the Israelites first came there, Joseph was a ruler. And you already know that, sweetheart. You know about the story. And they were living so good and they were populating so fast. Because children of God don't play with being fruitful and multiplying and replenishing the earth. And Pharaoh was getting intimidated by the Israelites. Wait a minute, they overpopulating us. They overpopulating us. So we got to have them as our slaves or we might become theirs. And all of that happened after Joseph passing. But while Joseph was there, his family was prospering so good 
the years after Joseph. That's why it's so important, like God said to uh, Solomon regarding David. If you follow the commands I give your father, every child after you will be in your position and sit where you sit. And I will bless them. And those who try to curse you, I will curse them. But he had his eyes on women. He had a thousand concubines. And they were keeping his eyes off God. He broke the covenant. And Solomon learned from his mistake. That's why he written the entire Proverbs. And I thank God that he wrote over 1,200 words of wisdom. If I'm not mistaken, a thousand of those words are Proverbs. So it says songs. Thank you, God. Twelve About 1,200 songs. And about, I think a thousand of them are Proverbs and about 200, probably more than that are songs. Just like his father, a psalmist. And each generation gets greater because Solomon was so favored with the wisdom of God because he asked God for that in the office when you can ask God. Imagine, sweetheart, you're in a position where you can ask God anything and you get it right there. And he didn't ask God for no money increase, no population increase, to win every battle, no have no fancy nothing, no cattle, no nothing, no land. He asked God to be able to, you know, inter- I mean, be able to discern good from evil. And God said, you found favor in my sight because you couldn't ask for anything to benefit you, but you asked me to bless you to benefit others. That means that he cared about other people more than he cared about himself. And God had Solomon at his time, one of the, the most wisest man alive where he was. Now going back up to, it's just so amazing that, okay, now the children of Israel, they're in Egypt and they prospering. Now that Joseph's gone, now that Pharaoh feeling threatened, now he made the Israelites slaves. And it said in the Bible, 430 years. See, God said to me, see, there's a difference. Usually when we ask, how long was the Israelite slaves? And it's saying 430 years. And you say, well, how long was the Israelites in Egypt? It still give 430 years because that's man's interpretation due to the translation from generation upon generation. So let me tell you this. If they was there for 430 years, the whole 430 was not in slavery because they came there free. It was after Joseph's ruling before they became the slaves. I mean, yeah, before they became the slaves. So they were it's pretty much stating that they always been. And that's not a fact because they did not come there as slaves. They came as free Israelites. And they actually came there being favored because of Joseph. They had the best of everything. He made sure his family had. He looked out. And Pharaoh made sure that Joseph's family had sent special people to come with Joseph to go get him and gave him more than we supposed to send him off with. 
So doing them 430 years, how many years actually, Eva, how long were they there? Because it had to be, if they were there, you know, if they were really slave for 430, then they had to be there longer than 430 years. Now, if it's speaking overall, that they were there for that amount of years, 430, then how many years out there, 430, were there not slaves? You understand? There's so much that's being discovered. Hallelujah. It's so important. It's so important. Just little things like that. It just opened the door for kingdom expansion. Just because of fresh revelation of knowledge that takes you so far. It's so rich just to understand biblically what God is trying to tell you all along due to his perception, his interpretation. It's so rich. Money can't top wisdom, nor knowledge and understanding. Now, during the time that they became slaves, now I'm going to skip all the way down to now is Joseph's, I mean, excuse me, Moses' generation. So now to the point, you guys populating even in slavery. That we got to kill all the boys here. We just got to kill all the boys. Because the women can't produce no kids without a man. They didn't want to kill the women because they had to be the mothers for the children. So we just going to kill the boys so they won't grow up as strong men. See a difference in the, the, you know, the generation between each Pharaoh. It, they seem to get more evil and evil. Went from saying, okay, we're going to make them our slaves. Now, okay, now we're going to kill all their baby boys. And it's so amazing how God promised them to go back to their homeland, Canaan. And he used Moses, a Hebrew being adopted to be an Egyptian, to send them back. It's so amazing. It's so amazing. Quick testimony. Last night at 2.20, I got up in the morning from a night of God taking my spirit to Indiana. He gave me Indiana State to this woman's nationality. I have to say she's either Indian or Spanish, but that's not an importance to God, her nationality. The importance was the encounter of the miracle due to the sign and wonder that was present. God took my spirit while I'm still in my bed to this woman's home in Indiana. And she was in a rocking chair with blankets on her lap. And she was just looking at her baby lying down on this flat surface on these blankets that was pretty much dying. The baby got sent home from the hospital because the mother said, I don't want my child to die here. They said, nothing else we can do. Well, I'd rather my child die at home than anywhere else. 
They said, let, the, let it just run its course. Your baby, you know, just won't make it. It's, it's, your baby is too sick. So there's this pale child that looks grayish green, purple. It, I mean, it just looks pale, period. And the child was about at least four or five pounds, arms stretched out, legs stretched out, unclothed, skin wrinkled, and so pale and wheezing because can barely breathe like a little bit of breath you have is coming out of you. And this baby looking so helpless. And the mother just like, you know, nothing I can do but just watch this baby just take its last breath. And I hear God use me to walk in this room with this mother and her son lying flat on the surface. And God me to walk in the room and lie next, lie down next to her son. He was in front of me on my right. I was on his left. And I positioned my mouth, you know, right in front of the baby's mouth. And as I spoke words of life, I can see the virtue of the words coming out of my mouth into the baby's mouth. And he began to open it up a little bit more. It was like smoke coming out of my mouth into that baby's mouth. It was like a spiritual CPR taking place. And the baby chest just rose up very high. And the mother set up like, what's about to happen? This was he wasn't like this. He looks better than what he just was looking like. It's hope. It's, 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 you know, all things are possible. You know, she used hope in a great way, not hope in the sense of it can fail. Her hope turned to her faith. And all of a sudden, God had a wash rag to appear in my hand and then had a bucket of water with soap to appear in my other hand. And God had me to wash this baby off. And as I washed this baby off, his skin color came back. His hair grew instantaneously on his head. And all of a sudden he began to laugh, moving his arms and legs and gained sudden weight, went from five pounds to 10 pounds. And the mother was stunned and God just took me out. I didn't know what happened. I don't know what happened after, but when I woke up, God said to me, there is definitely a festivity going to happen today because of this miracle in this lady's home. This is happening in Indiana. And I was like, wow, God, wow. Wow. So amazing how God takes us places while we in our bed. But sweetheart, God is starting to take it up higher now that I don't have to fall into a sudden sleep for him to take me somewhere. He's taking me while I'm looking and talking to you other places. But like I told you, sweetheart, last year that God will cause a sudden sleep to come upon me. It ain't that I just pass out anywhere. It would lead me up to getting very restless and feeling very, you know, the sweetness of the sweet. I mean, the sweetness of the sleep to cause me to be relaxed. And I know it's God because it feels that same way every time that heaviness come upon me where you can't ignore it. You have to go to sleep to receive this prophecy. And it happened to me so many times throughout my life that I'm aware of what's happening now. <laughs> yes. And I thank God for that. So and then there are times I'm letting you know, because when we do live together, you'll be aware. And like I told you last year that 
God would take me to demonic realms and forces as well to see evil principalities and see what Satan is doing so I can cast that plan down. Yes, sweetheart. There are three ways that God has spoken to me thus far prophetically in my sleep is, you know, just speaking directly what's to happen, what to look forward to regarding me or anybody or God show me something symbolically speaking prophetically. He's speaking to me in other kind of ways other than using words directly. And then there's the warnings where God is telling me things that I can declare and decree against and it be established unto me mean that it will not happen. And I have shared many encounters of the warnings, show many accounts of the symbolic dreams, meaning God just releasing prof prophecies in different ways and shapes and forms, and God just directly speaking to me. You understand? And when I go to the uh, demonic realms, I told you I might need you to hold me just for a little bit. I know sometimes you might be so tired that I might not even just say anything. I might just try to work it out like I've been doing, or I might just scoot a little closer to you to feel that type of comfort because it's not pleasurable to encounter Satan in different realms of the pit. I'm trying to tell you. I'm trying to tell you. God answers our heart before he answers our mouth. God answers our heart before he answers our mind because we have to keep our mind renewed because we can teach and tell our mind things that's not true. We can speak words that's not true and that's why we're supposed to be slow to speak and renew our minds daily. And when it comes to our heart, we keep it guarded because out of the heart, you know how a man really feel. What a man think of in his heart, so is he. And God just pretty much saying the heart never lies. That's like if somebody's standing in front of you and they talking mad lies and you already can discern their lies because of their body language. Because your their heart is allowing you to know that they're lying due to how their body is responding to the lies they're releasing. But they know it's not true. And that goes for, you know, lies, period. But I just thank God that he hears our heart before anything. And I was in the pit and it was very, very disgusting. The water was coming towards my ankle and I was standing in front of Satan. It was dark in there. And I was wondering, where's Jesus? And then all of a sudden, you know, the door upstairs opened. Every demon got quiet. I put, I'm going to make a scene out of what I, what I saw because I, I want people to see this. I'm going to bring this vision. I'm going to bring this encounter to pass, you know, so people can see this. And I pointed up. It was like probably like four floors to this building. And I pointed up. And I looked up and Satan looked up with me. And I said, he's here. Satan was so scared. And I woke up as soon as I said, he's here. I didn't even get a chance to see Satan. I mean, Jesus come downstairs. Because it wasn't no point. He was just answering my heart. I was like, where's Jesus? And he opened the... I got to get up, my Lord. Jesus Christ, my Lord. So as my heart said that, you opened the door. Come on, supernatural. Come on from a world that we can't physically see. Come on. Releasing a virtue of power. Releasing miracles, signs, and wonder because of the virtue of the power. So powerful because of the power. 
and God. He was like, Wadisha, I'm here. He could appear in the basement. No, he appeared upstairs. He wanted me to look up and hear him open the door. He didn't have to turn a knob. He could have just walked through the door. And he wanted me to know I'm upstairs on my way downstairs. I looked up. Satan looked up with me, trembling. I said, he's here. <laughs> and he was so scared. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is the creator of all things. Think about all things. Think about this planet. Think about the other planets. Think about what's beneath the planets. Think about what's beneath the earth's surface, the earth crust. God created of all things. And he ate all things. I don't think crime was supposed to be in this episode, but my God. Oh, God. Oh, my God. You know what, sweetheart? I look at God all the time and I say, God, I believe you. I believe you. I will push everything aside and just stand bare before you with my faith. I believe you, God. Not even thinking about scripture when it says he's not a man. I believe you, God. Because I'm created to only believe. And I'm like, my God, this is so powerful. You know? Oh, God. It's so amazing. It's so amazing. You know, another encounter. God was just showing me they were playing charades. He he picked the original 12 disciples. And, you know, he just wanted to play charades with his 12 disciples. The original ones that Christ handpicked first. And they didn't appear to have on any, you know, type of fancy garments. They wanted to wear what they used to wear here for that occasion. I guess because we had to imitate them, so they wanted to show us what they looked like. And they all had on neutral colors, like tan and white and, you understand, none of white hair, nothing red, nothing yellow. It was very black. And they were very strong, you know, and it's amazing how God had them to pick 12 people out of all parts of the earth, and one person had to imitate each disciple. And Peter was the first one to choose, and he picked me. So here I am going into the kingdom, on the throne of God. God sitting in this chair, looking at me, knowing that I don't know too much about Peter and the way that I got to imitate Peter. I'm knowing Peter due to him being a risk taker, to him being a fisherman, to him, you know, walking his assignment, and to him receiving Holy Spirit and declaring God's good word and being a great, you understand, disciple and a follower of Christ, walking with Paul, walking with them and just receiving and releasing. But they were talking about their personality. You got to imitate my personality. So I'm like, how can I imitate, you know, bold slash risk taker slash, you understand? 
I was like, okay, and, it, and I'm going to tell you how beautiful God is. He saw that. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> so God sent Holy Spirit to give me a full description of Peter's personality. So Peter pretty much chose me because he wanted to introduce himself to me. I want you to know who I am, Quenisha. You mentioned my name a lot. I want to get to know you and you get to know me more personally. So let me send Holy Spirit to introduce to you what's not been documented about my personality. And Peter is so sweet. No wonder why him and John conversated so much. Especially, it was always documented. Uh, Peter wasn't always too far from John, especially with Christ. It's like uh, Peter on one side, John on the other side. But John spent more time because Peter had to work. And even when Christ was taking the supper with them, Peter was right there. John was right beside him. They both asked at the same time, are you going to take? He said, not this time. And even when he said, will you be betraying me? Peter and John asked, is it I? <laughs> You understand? It is so amazing. Even Peter was bold enough to say, don't just wash my feet, wash my hands and my feet. You understand? So amazing. The only bold one to take steps to walk on water. No one else was documented walking on water but Peter. You understand? So amazing. And... It's just amazing that I had to imitate Peter. I was like, he, he was so sweet. I imitated him on point, you know, because Holy Spirit helped me out. It was so amazing. So amazing that he wanted to be introduced to me like that. I didn't get a chance to see Peter features, but I saw the back of him very well because he didn't want me to hear what Holy Spirit was saying about his personality because he just wanted to watch me imitate it. And it was so fun and gay. I could have been there to watch everybody imitate each disciple, but God just brought me back in my bed and woke me up out of my sleep. Because the purpose of the encounter was to know Peter more personally because he wanted to introduce himself. Now, when it comes to Esther, or it says God said, you remind me of Esther. You have a lot of Esther in you, Quenisha. I've been having encounters, but she won't even leave me alone. Esther is always around. She don't light up at all. And I said to Esther, I said, your, your looks don't go with your personality. And she said, neither do yours. And it's true because those who don't, who, those who never heard me minister, sweetheart, They'll be like, you going to do what? You look so quiet, you're so shy. And for those who know me as speaking and preaching and being so fiery, they can't take me when I am acting shy and acting, you understand, quiet. They're like, yo, I quiet and shy. You this, you that. And for those who don't know me being fiery, they be like, you know, you what? You going to do what? You so quiet and shy. So it's like I get the best of both. But it's so amazing because she just don't look like she's she won't let off she's like you're gonna do this you're gonna you know she's so encouraging but she there are no excuses with esther none none when it comes to you know fulfilling your assignment that's bigger than you there are no excuses to esther you already fulfilled it you walking it out there's no if ands buts about it there's no turn around you know with esther she's very dear very sweet very beautiful but very, very serious and funny at the same time. But when it comes to assignments, she don't play around with that. No, no, no. No, she does not. Very beautiful. And I just thank God for just spending this time with you, talking to you. You know, I just thank God for everything. Thank God for everything. I think I don't wrap you up about a little bit or whatever. <laughs> it's okay. 
But I'm just so, I'm just so amazed and so excited about what's happening, you know? I thank God I'm so excited. Yes. I love you, sweetheart. I don't talk myself to one to just, you know, relax and watch a movie. <laughs> yeah. It's like I'm not even able to find movies these days. I got to get another app or something because, you know, um, the TV, I have one flat screen and I put it in my sunroom. I'm barely watching TV to even put it in my living room. I'm barely in the living room. So I just gave it to my son. I read a film that I have before I have anything. So I use my phone and use apps. And God said to me, you are so sweet. I know. Oh, Father. Oh, God. Now he's going to show me a ram. <laughs> okay. There's a ram looking at me, sweetheart, chewing on grass. Do rams even chew on grass? And God gave me this word, sweetheart, majestic. Now, honestly, I got to look it up to get his perception of what it means. You know, he said, Kanisha, you are very majestic. And um, as far as um, the ram, God is showing me, when he showed me a ram, it just means that he's about to place something in my path, you know, to cause me to go further than where I am. You know, it could be a person, you know, to help me with a word. It could be, you know, a source of resource. It could be whatever it is, is to get me to the next point in the journey with God. Whenever he showed me a ram, He's about to provide something in the path for me. Yes, that's what a ram in the bush means. Yes, God always provides something that you need to fulfill and continue on the assignment. So I thank you, Father, for whatever you placed there. Yes, thank you for this ram that's smiling in my face, chewing on grass. I don't even know if they even chew on what this one is. <laughs> God, my God, you are so good, God. Thank you. You feel better? God is asking me. I do. I do. Okay. Okay. God want me to testify. Okay. God want me to go on Facebook today, and I seen a sister in Christ had on her page. It was a video. Um, and I never really seen a sister in Christ page. She had a video of a man who believe in spanking his kid if they get out of control. These some teenagers, not small kids. These teenagers who know better and they try to, you know, speak up and disrespect their father. And he said he spanked them. And somebody walked and interviewed him was like, well, you're not supposed to spank your kids. And he said, well, who said that I can't? What they would think about let them run all over me? I ain't trying to be my, I'm not going to be my kids' friends. That's what's wrong with society today. And that's what the message is about, you know, spanking kids. Now, me per se, I don't ever have to spank mine again because he's already aware. But God want me to tell you what happened. I got a text out of nowhere from a, a little, a young girl saying, hi, I'm such and such. You know, David said, I have to ask you, can I study with him, you know, doing school tests and projects and and, and and hang out and sometimes, you know, just to be a friend. He's very nice. He's very cool. I said this. I said, well, David never mentioned nothing about you. So before you go any further, let me talk to my son about what's actually going on here, what any mother would do. So I want to talk to my child. I don't want to hear about a per from a person I never even met who just texted me out of nowhere. And she kept coming with me, these texts, and she kept, so I said, well, was sugar, uh, sugar pie, you know, young lady, <laughs> you should be focusing in class. You know, class is still in session. 
You know, I said, I'm going to talk to my child. Thank you. Nice to meet you. I left it like that. So when my son came in, I approached him about it. Yeah, we just, you know, she's friends with me and my guy friends. You sit at the table with us for lunch and she wanted to do experiments and, you know, scientific experiments with us and class and do this and do that with us and takes physics with us and economics and all these things with us. And I'm like, okay, but okay, just friends and school, just helping with work. But no, my son, was, he don't know nothing about no girlfriends. And, because I always teach him your body is your temple. And I don't just tell my son your body. I explain to him what that actually mean to keep yourself. What did it actually mean to know that you are worth being here? Know that your body is worth saving. Explain to him that you will have sudden thoughts or see sudden things and being taught these things in sex educational classes, which I see on your schedule. And I thank you that you feel comfortable talking to me as I talk to you because I raised my son that way that it's you and I at home, son. So, you know, we closer and we always grow up to be so close that we tell each other everything. He always, <coughs> and I always get so many compliments. You have a magnificent son. My God, how you raise him. I never met such a child. Even the teachers call me while in the middle of teaching. I just got to tell you about your son right now. My God, I never in my life have met such a child in all my years of history teaching. He's so sweet and he does his best. He might not get all the answers right, but he's sure showing determination that he cares about it. And I said, all I do is I pray with him every morning and I sow word into his life. I talk to him. I have fun with him. But I also, you know, responsible to raise him in the way he should go. Because as Hannah lifted up Samuel, I lifted up David before God and I gave him over. And I would do that to every child. I'll give you back over. Because I don't know what I'm doing. It takes me to be graced to do it. Even though I'm already born with the grace. But I got to tap into what's already on inside of me. And I can't get it from nobody other than God. So I lift this child back up to you to receive the instructions I need to release into this child to impart into his life. Regardless of what nobody got to say about it, what nobody feel about it, I can't think about what you say, what you think, how you feel, because every mother is graced differently for each child. I'm not the mother to be your friend and then want to be a parent later when you're out of control. I'm not one of the parents that want to be a parent and then want to be your friend later that you grow out of control. No, I'm going to always be mother first. You understand? Very firm mother at the same time, very friendly and fun. But you're going to be able to determine, you know, where we are and what's going on due to what's in, to be encountered. Now, if you're slacking, you're not going to get fun for me. You're going to get firm for me. <laughs> at the same time, fair with me. You know, and my son, you know, he was like, I don't know how my mother would feel about you, you know, studying with me. Cause I don't, you know, I don't talk to girls. I don't really, you know, that's not my thing, but you know, you're just a school friend and you know, you want some help with your work. And you know, me as a mother, God grace us all mothers to protect our kid. We oversee things because we have to regarding our kid. The things that they can't see, we see. And God just keeps showing me this ram. And this, this little girl kept being persistent, kept calling my phone. And so, you know, I had to silence it from her for a while. I'm still talking to my child. And he was just like, you know, mom, I think she's thinking something that is not. You know, I didn't, you know, I'm thinking, you know, she's just going to be friends with all of us. And she just joined out, you know, science club or, you understand, debating club or whatever kind of, you know, fun activity of, you know, scientists, you know, scientific thing or whatever kind of mathematical, you know, things that y'all do together in school. You know, she wanted to join and be a part of it. 
So, you know, I was like, okay, son, um, let me see your phone. Holy Spirit said, look at his phone. And so I said, oh, so you have her number and she have yours. But the thing is, he never said anything back. He just said, okay, we could just, if you need help with your homework, I, just call me. I can help you. But I said, son, you can tell me anything. Don't keep nothing from me. Okay, mom, I didn't think that it was important. Yes, very important. Whoever you talk to, I want to know. You understand? I'm paying that bill. I need to know. You understand? I'm not a strict mom or filled with restrictions, but I need to know to know what's best for you. Okay, mom, thank you. So I read the Texas and I saw that he was trying to hide from her getting in trouble because she was um, saying little things that was like, you know, I really like you. I want to go to the movies with you. He was like, no, I don't have those type of friendships with girls. I thought you just wanted to, you know, study with me and, you know, the guys about, you know, some homework activities. I'm not allowed to date and I don't want to. That's, we're not married and we're kids. We're too young. That's what he said. So I, um, I pretty much was, that was his perception to her. And her perception was, okay, I don't want to hear that. Like I said, I like you. So I said, okay, let, now let me give her a call. Okay, now you told me you only want to be study, you know, group in a group with them and other guys. But now I'm reading a text and I see that you're trying to lure my son into do things with you that he don't do. So I'm sorry if you got the wrong impression, but he's not going to be talking to you anymore. She hung up on me. I said, I wouldn't want nobody, you know, being friends with my son who hang up on his mother anyway. But, you know, being, me being respectful, being respectful who I am. I just, you know, left it alone. But I said, they get any, I said, you don't go, don't go near her. You know, leave her alone. She's not a free. He said, I know my, I didn't know she was like that. Okay, fine. So I get a phone call from the school guidance counselor. There was a student reported that she feels that David is in an unsafe environment where there is abuse present. So whenever it's a child or anybody make an accusation, whether it's false or not, they have to make a report and follow proper protocol because many children have actually been murdered and neglected and abused and they didn't follow up on it. So they cannot afford to have another case where something is actually true, no matter how false it may look or seem. So I get a phone call from the school first, letting me know that there was a child. I said, I know that the child... I told them the child's name. Oh, you know this? I said, yeah. I didn't want to call the school to get, I didn't want to, you know, to get the little girl in trouble because I wanted my son to just leave her alone and leave it like that. But now that I see that now you guys calling, maybe we should have a meeting. And um, now CPS get, gave me a call and they were like, um, we have to come out and just check and do an examination to make sure that there's no neglect and no abuse in the home. So this little girl took it amongst herself to say, if I can't be friends with him, I'm going to get his mother in trouble. I'm going to tell him that she abused him and neglects him. So they got to come out to her house and examine her. So she went, and I was like, for a little girl to think like that, you think I don't want my child to be around somebody like that? 
And so they was like, Miss, you know, Miss Hood, we assure you that she would never, we would never, but we have to still send somebody out due to, you know, the accusation. This, that. I said, that's fine. I mean, go ahead. And, and, the, and the lady even called me from CPS was like, I don't even want to come. I don't even have to, but it's my job. Don't take it personally. We hear that you're one of the best moms in this entire school. We hear so many great things about you, but by this child saying this, we can't ignore it. I said, and then the thing about it is, they didn't know what happened. So I said, let me tell you why she did this. Oh, here's the text messages. Oh, here's her number. Oh, here's her name. Oh, and some of the pictures. Oh, wow. Oh, she's way over her head. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, we didn't know that. Oh, yeah, now you do. They say, you're a mother that don't play. No. Now, when it come to mind, now I'm not the parent to be disrespectful. Be like, you mess with my child. I, I mean, I have character, especially God's kind of character. I'm a parent that stay calm, but I'm very educated when it comes to my child. Because as you be a parent, you are a peer mediator. As a parent, you are a doctor. As a parent, you are a lawyer. As a parent, you are a practitioner. As a parent, you, I'm trying to tell you. You are a minister. As a parent, you are a teacher. As a parent, you are every educational field, every community helper. <laughs> because you become everything your child needs you to be. And I'm very good at it. They say, you know your child yet, yeah, and my child knows me. You want the mom say, you ever thought about taking up law? I said, no, I don't. I just know my son. And even being a mother, I'm also a lawyer. <laughs> also a judge. <laughs> you understand? Seriously. You become just about everything when you become a mom, a parent, or a father. A lawyer, a doctor, a teacher, a minister, a cook. Everything. <laughs> And I invest my love and my loyalty to my child because I lifted up before God. So I'm responsible to lead him in the way he should go. Am I angry with this little girl? At first, I felt some kind of way. Like, how dare you, little girl? To try to get me locked up. That's, that's, that's serious accusations. People go to jail for that. Somebody says somebody been abused and all this other things. Come on now. I thank God that the school had a good report. No, not this mother. No, if any mother, it ain't his. But they still had to come. And she came so comfortable. Hey, you cooking. I'll smell good up in here. And you know, it was asking three questions. And I'm gone out your hair. I said, if you ever feel need to come back, you're welcome. <laughs> and this was, this what really got her attention. When I said, Holy Spirit told me to go look at my son's phone. Oh, you are a woman of faith. That I am. So I already know what you about with your child. That I am. <laughs> you understand? I'm not a parent full of restrictions, but I must, I must be who God called me to be regarding this child. Nothing missing, like it or broken. And he felt so, you felt, you know, some kind of way. I'm sorry, mom, I didn't mean to get you into all this. I just say, lesson learned, son. Next time somebody asks for my, my number, don't give it to him. <laughs> you call me and ask me, is it okay first? He said, I didn't know she was doing all that. Yeah, but mama knows, son. Mama knows. <laughs> because God knows. <laughs> Mom, don't take no credit. She only know because God revealed, God exposed. <laughs> to God be the glory. 
And they calling up on me, making sure I'm okay. Just please don't take your son out of our school. We just had to do what we thought was right because of what she said, but we knew it was wrong. But even if somebody make an accusation, we got to follow up through. I said, it's nothing against you guys. It's all good. It's all right. It's all right. Thank you. I appreciate you guys. You know, and I just thank God that I'm a mother that's on it, but I still give my son space to be a teenager. But you, you know, there's, you know, boundaries that comes with that. You understand? Seriously. I don't even have to spank my child. No, I don't. He already know. He already, and if it came to that point where a child was that rebellious, oh, you will be getting spanked. <laughs> we got to make, maybe you got to talk about this. We are, but guess what? To God be the glory and everything. I don't need to go through that because ain't no child. I'm not going to do that. I'm not even, you know, I'm about to get up and preach. No, I'm just playing. I got to get off of here. I got nine seconds. Greater is he than us than he's in the world. To God be the glory in all that he does. I love you.